on this edition of Kiwi Tripster's Vienna Calling. We head to the proud Austrian capital to delve into its cultural treasures. Across the border, take a day trip to Bratislava. Back home, Great Lake Topor. We take to the water and hit the trails at Greater's Park. That's all ahead on Kiwi Tripsters. We're back with Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. Get ready and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Andrew Seppi. Welcome aboard Kiwi Tripsters. I'm Andrew Seppi. I'm Mike Yardley. Delighted to be with you, Andrew. The delight... As all mine, Michael. Oh, Andrew, how generous of you. I know. Yes. Uh, let's away to Austria. Let us away ourselves to its wondrous capital. And whenever I think of Vienna, I think coffee houses. That and a great song by Ultravox. Vienna calling. No, oh. Oh, that's Falco. Vienna, oh, Falco. Yes. Vienna song. <laughs> Mm. Anyway, there's a great backstory to Vienna's love affair with coffee. Yes. Vienna has the Turks to thank for the to- the coffee. Mm-hmm. Maybe the toffee as well. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> now, when the Ottoman Turks unsuccessfully tried to seize Vienna 400 years ago, great story here, their defeated soldiers inadvertently left behind bags of coffee beans. As one does. Which gave rise to the great cafe society. <laughs> I could imagine that, though. Let's flee the country. Do we take the coffee? <laughs> Leaves the coffee behind. Yes. The locals who discovered the bags weren't exactly sure what to do with them, but they did find out. At first, they thought the beans should be added to soup. Yes. That'd be a nice way to um, oh, keep you up all night. Exactly. Yeah. Understandable mistake, I suppose. I suppose. But it was only after they asked some imprisoned Ottoman soldiers, what do you do with the beans? that Europe's love affair with coffee was unleashed. You'll never struggle to find a decent coffee house in Vienna. Uh, but uh, what are the star specimens, in your opinion, Michael? Well, four centuries later, um, <laughs> when you do go to Vienna, you will notice there are coffee houses everywhere. And the old school ones have the red velvet seating and the lavish wall mirrors. They are central to Vienna's social pulse. Amongst the city's cafes, the ultimate destination, I reckon, is Café de Mel in Coal Market, which is a very central city. It was first established about 300 years ago, this cafe, and they were the official supplier of pastries and coffee to the royal court of the Habsburgs. Well, wow. So today, it is still a great spot for a coffee and a strudel. What more could you want in life? A coffee and a strudel. <laughs> By the way, strudel itself wow. also is Ottoman in origin because the strudel you see today is really just an adaptation of baklava. Of course it is. There you go. You heard it here first. Yes. Now, Café de Mel is located in the luxury row of Coal Market, uh, which is a hive of high-end designer stores. Very nice. And you'll love the fact that the city's central shopping area is fully pedestrianised. Yes. And pedestrianised is not a word that we grew up with, but it has made its way into our vernacular in the last couple of decades. That's very true. Yes. yes. It's such a great place just to stroll freely. Mm. Uh, lots of designer stores. And it's not just the usual lineup, not just the Gucci's and the Pradas, but lots of one-off local boutiques that have been trading in coal market for centuries. 
Then there is the golden retail mile. This is your fast fashion, Kartner Strasse, the major shopping artery that promenades through the heart of Vienna. It's definitely a go-to for some of Europe's best street theatre. Now, I don't know whether it's because I was a child of the 80s in my formative years, but I've always loved the name Vienna. Yes. I don't know whether it's got to do with the music we had and the songs mentioned Vienna, but I just love the name Vienna. Yes. And it is studded with a ridiculous number of royal palaces. The Belvedere is a huge crowd pleaser. I think this is the best of the lot. The uh, the Habsburgs loved their stash of splashy real estate. Yeah. Palaces galore, like the Hofburg and the Schönbrunn Palace, which is why many people call Vienna a wedding cake city. All of these completely over-the-top ornamental structures. But just on the outskirts of the central city, yeah, Belvedere Palace is just incredible. It was built to celebrate victory over the Ottomans. It's got the most amazing gardens, incredible statues and fountains. And come the weekend, it's like half of Vienna heads there just to hang out. Yeah. Inside the palace, you can check out the state rooms and also the works of Austria's revered painter, Gustav Klimt. I love that name too. Gustav Klimt. <laughs> I know. Sounds like um, a villain from a James Bond movie. It does, doesn't it? Movie. Yes. Yeah, or something from Hogan's Heroes. Yes. <laughs> there is one painting at the Belvedere Palace you've got to see. In fact, the whole world goes to the Belvedere Palace to see it. Oh, yes. The Kiss. The Kiss. Absolutely. Now, for a more intimate experience than The Kiss, uh, with old school opulence, there's the golden cage. I love the golden cage. Oh, yes. I would have happily allowed myself to be locked up in the golden cage. Right. Um, so right, yes. <laughs> it's located in Palais Liechtenstein, which is this gorgeous, like, miniature palace in Vienna, and it's a jewel. It's only recently been fully restored after being heavily bombed during World War II. So, yeah, since the mid-40s, it's largely been off limits to the public until about the last 10 years. And there is this gorgeous, intimate concert hall. Oh, this. Yeah, absolutely caked in gold, yes, right? that's yeah, it. Hence yeah. the name, the Golden Cage. Mm. So it's the sort of place you have to see to believe. And as I say, it's now open for a squiz. For a squiz. It's such a cool 80s word too. Now, in a sign of the times, the very legendary Vienna Boys Choir, again, something we grew up with knowing the Vienna Boys Choir, it doesn't just limit its membership to uh, males. No. 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 In fact, I wonder if they actually have to just rename it the Vienna Choir. You'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. Or, or the Young Vienna Choir. Well, yeah, the Vienna Boys <laughs> Choir with girls. Is, yes. Uh, yeah. Yes, because girls are now included. And it's probably the most famous kids' choir in the world. It's been it would, to New Zealand. I guess the two choirs that we grew up with, yep. knowing about, were the Vienna Boys Choir and the, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Yes, yeah. The easiest way of experiencing the Vienna Boys Choir, with girls included, is on a Sunday. And I know this sounds a bit cheapskatey, but it's actually just a question of being opportunist. The choir performs as part of traditional mass at the Hofburg Chapel. So you can check it out for free. Absolutely. No tickets required. Oh, lovely. <laughs> You're always up for a cheap thrill. That's uh, that yes. brings us to Prater, yes, one of the world's oldest amusement parks, and oh. this is in Vienna, and this is very, very cool. This is an 
absolute highlight of a trip to Vienna. Cheap thrills galore. Do not miss it. It is such a great way to top off your waltz through Vienna. See what I did there? Waltz through Vienna. Thank you. Better than waltzing Matilda. Ah, yes. Hmm. Different country. Yeah, true. Different dance. True. Different animal. Different. Very different. Mm. So make a date with Prater, which has actually been a nursery for many of the world's formative carnival rides. Including the world's first ghost train, right? There's your fun fact for the day. Wow. The first ghost train came from Vienna. That is cool. Yeah. It's most enduring landmark at the Prater Park. This has to be the, I guess as kids, I was the one that wanted always to go on the one attraction, whether it was the Industries Fair or the AMP show, and that was... The giant Ferris wheel. Exactly. Yes. Now, the Raisin Rudd, as they call it, is still turning around faithfully at Prater. Hopefully they've given a bit of oil recently. <laughs> yeah, now, James Bond fans will certainly recognise this from the Living Daylights movie. Great movie. Average James Bond. Timothy Dalton. Eh, you know, Forgettable. Very forgettable. But a great Ferris wheel. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> great Ferris wheel indeed. Yeah. It is one of the world's granddaddy Ferris wheels. It uh, reaches a height of over 60 metres. And wow. it's been turning around in the so sky of Vienna. That is longer than a rugby oh, yes. field. Yes, yes, yes. Rugby fields. And yes. it's longer than an Olympic-sized swimming pool. <laughs> it is. But she's been a-turning in Vienna since 1897. 1897. A towering city icon. And the Reisenrad still delivers the best views across Vienna. Something not to miss when you are there. Just ahead, we skip across the border to Slovakia and the capital of Bratislava. Back in a moment. You're back with Kiwi Trips. This is Mike and Andrew Rado. We've skipped through Vienna. Fantastic place. Love the name. Vienna. And a real novelty is that you can tick off another European capital as a day trip from Vienna. Load up with enough coffees, you'll be fine. Just a 90-minute train ride away is the capital of Slovakia, Bratislava. That's about 10 strudels being consumed away, isn't it? (laughs) Probably is. She's a pint-sized city. Not big. She's a bonbon, Bratislava. A bonbon. She's a tiddler. And what makes it really easy to devour within a day or two, is the fact that she's very compact. Yeah. A lot of people will actually end up in Bratislava as part of a Danube River cruise. But if you are in Vienna, it is such an easy side trip. And you can go there and get back to Vienna for more strudels and coffee and Vienna boys' choirs in the day. In the day, In the day. Although try and avoid doing the day trip to Bratislava on the weekends because um, I have learnt this the hard way. Oh, yes. And I happened to be in Bratislava on a Saturday and the whole old town was invaded by British stag parties. Oh, no. (laughs) They fly in, fly out. So they'll cruise in on a Friday night, liquor up, lager up, Friday night, Saturday night. The place looks like a complete tip come Sunday (laughs) And then they do it all again the next weekend. Loud, loutish, totally swelling. Yep, it's every cliche you could imagine on two legs. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah, and as we've discussed before, with the rail network that you have in Europe, these little jaunts are so easy to do. Yeah. Jump on a rail, Mm. car, hop Mm. off at the other end, Mm. have a nice little trip, and make sure you do, when you plan these trips, look at what's near and just hop along. Really easy. Now, Bratislava Castle 
is the city's leading landmark, a big, boxy, four-towered rectangle, as castles can tend to be. Yes, it wouldn't win a castle beauty contest. Not Castle of the Year award? No. No. No, it's a bit boxy. But But. there are some interesting attributes to it. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some museums within it, quite mediocre, to be honest. (laughs) But the real attraction is you do want to haul yourself up to the castle for the view, the knockout view. It's like a geography lesson in 3D because Bratislava has the unique distinction of being the only capital city in the world which is surrounded by three countries. Really? And you, this becomes very illustrative from the castle's perch. Slovakia is all laid out before you, and to the west you can see Austria, and to the southeast you see Hungary. So you could kind of stand there like an old timey king and say, right, I will have that and that and that. Yes, this is part of my kingdom. I will have all of this. Yes. Mm. So there's no doubt the Slovaks have been on a bit of a geopolitical roller coaster Mm -hmm. over the centuries. They were formally joined to the Czechs, hence the name Czechoslovakia. Yeah. 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 Yeah, um, very nice. And, and prior to that, they were part of the Hungarian Empire. But they do zealously protect their sense of independence now. Let's not put Putin up there because he'll just have all of it. Well, that's it. Yes, I'm a huge fan of Prague and I love, love the place. And I've heard people say that Bratislava's old town is like a mini Prague. Yes. Is it? Uncannily similar. Ah. Yeah. So they have an old town bit that yes. looks like Prague. Yeah, very much. Sort of like old town Prague in miniature. So you've got all sorts of architectural mastery. Somehow they crammed a whole city's worth of churches and shops and pastel-coloured palaces into a handful of blocks. <laughs> it's, I, don't, I don't know if they were concerned they were going to run out of space and thought we've just got to stuff as much into this little area as possible. But, yeah. It's just incredible to explore now. And as I say, you can do it as part of your day trip to Bratislava. I guess it's good. You don't have to walk too far to see everything. That's true. Yeah. Now, St. Martin's Cathedral, which looks like it's walked straight off the cover of a Christmas card, which you'll like, uh, was where 19 Hungarian kings were crowned. 19. When Bratislava was the capital of Hungary. Very few people realise that. Well, Mm. you heard it here first. You did. And you can also see Mozart House, where the child prodigy used to perform for the city's elites as a six-year-old. Uh, the architecture is outrageously good, and they've got lots of contemporary touches too. I love Bratislava's humorous street art. So a good example is this big bronze sculpture of a road worker peering out of a manhole. And it has actually been built, like, in a manhole. Oh, how cool. Yeah, and he's now flanked with a men at work road sign because after he was installed as an artwork, motorists kept driving over him by mistake. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's very Bratislava. Oh, very much. Now, the UFO Tower is probably the communists' greatest contribution to the city. Yes, unlike their swathe of brutalist apartment blocks which pollute the suburbs everywhere. Oh, yeah, they've got that one colour. And they just... Quite dispiriting colour too. It is actually. Yeah. That was the colour, the cheap colour that was available. Mm. And you can still see a lot of old buildings in East Germany painted with that horrible colour, which really didn't look like anything. No. 
I think they must have done like a bulk purchase of that colour. I think they did. Yeah, and just yeah. slathered Eastern Europe with it. Yeah, they yeah. did. They did. So anyway, when the communists were still ruling the roost, they had to build a new bridge across the Danube, and they added a UFO-shaped tower to one of the bridge pylons. It was like communism saying, yes, we can be futuristic with our architecture. <laughs> and this was something a bit out of the box, it has to be said. It was actually designed to court public affection for communist rule. Didn't work. <laughs> no, it didn't. No. The show fell apart a few years later. Yeah. But you can still zip up the rather shuddering elevator to the rooftop of this UFO disc, and that get, does give you a really good bird's-eye view across the old town of Bratislava. Yes. Now, culinary treats, well, they've moved a long way from the uh, communist days yes. when uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, choice. No. There's some worth sampling, though. Well, for a couple of taste attempters, something I discovered, Bratislava has got a fetish for exotically flavoured fizzy drinks. Really? So when you're in town, try a lavender lemonade. A lavender lemonade. That's one of their favourites. Yes. They do have some great ice cream shops in Bratislava with all sorts of wacky flavours. Fig and ricotta ice cream, why not? Mm. Slovakia's national dish would probably be Haluski, which, oh, yes. which yes. are like gnocchi meeting a potato and put into a dumpling. Right. Right. Smothered with melted cheese sheep and a sprinkling of fried bacon. It's pretty tasty. Ah. Not exactly Michelin star material, but delicious and nutritious and available from every pub in town, particularly for those British stag parties. That does seem to have, well, Hark back to the communist roots. It's like whatever you can find, yeah, whack it together. That's true. Yeah. Yes. Now, before you leave, the city fringe is worth a jaunt. Yes. To the north of the city, the small Carpathian Mountains, which are home to Slovakia's wine trail, which is trending big time with tourists. Very picturesque and um, good for a few salad or tastings. And also just outside the city, if you do like your crumbling old ruins. Well, yes. And I'm always up for that. Got to, can't go past the crumbling old ruin. <laughs> Head to Devon Castle. So this castle has withstood the test of time for a thousand years. Napoleon ordered it destroyed. Yeah, he would have. And it is now considered by the locals as Slovakia's romantic old ruin. Oh, how joyous. Yes. Right, coming up, Great Lake Topol. We hit the water and the trails back in New Zealand, back in the moat. This is Kiwi Tripsters. You're back. We're back, Mike and Andrew. Let us indulge in some domestic travel, New Zealand. And uh, we head to the wonderful region of Topol. Very cool place. There's so many great mountain bike trails across New Zealand, but Topol is a just a top contender. They're right into it. They are very competitive about their bragging rights as a mountain bike destination. Yeah, they are. Because just up the road, you've got Rotorua, and a lot of people go there because of the uh, MTB tracks through Rewa Rewa. Oh, here's you again in your MTB. I know. You're very hip. Well, I feel like I'm part of the club now. I've, to be honest, I've biked my ass off in the last year or two. A lot of that was on an e-bike. Not on the mountain bike track so much. <laughs> they were the old school hard on your butt bikes. Yeah. 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 And where Topor does enjoy a similar sort of geological 
characteristic with Rotorua is they have pumice soils. Yes. So after rainfall, you don't get a big muddy track. Mm. It just dries and clears really well. Yes. So, yes, I would certainly recommend you go to Craters Mountain Bike Park. This is the arch rival of the Redwoods and Whakarewa Reba in Rotorua. It's just as good. Very foresty. And those pumice soils ensure you have good grip. You always want good grip when you're riding. Well, you do. Uh, there's you a, very much. There's a plethora of geothermal features adjoining the track. So, like, I was rocking along and stopped and admired and even had a dip in a lovely hot water stream. Oh, our very first world. Yes, so you can soothe your aches and pains along the way. Indeed. Yes. Uh, and you are right about the pumice soil. Yeah. I do remember that I actually wrecked a mountain bike and almost myself at Rupaki one year after snow. And I was up on Rupaki and the soil was just... Yeah. My bike went down the side, wrapped around a tree. Wasn't really good, <laughs> to be honest. By the way, there are 50k of trails across all grades. Uh, from numpties to advanced riders at Craters Mountain Bike Park. Which category did you fall into there? Well, I started as a numpty. Yes. I've graduated to enthusiast. (laughs) (laughs) You don't look very enthusiastic. (laughs) Now, the Hocker Falls are are sort of seared into the minds of New Zealanders, um, particularly for a cricket umpire called Peter Plumney Walker. Yes. But that's for another podcast. And you don't want to take a tumble down the Hocker Falls, as Peter Plumney Walker did. No. In a barrel, as I remember. Mm. Uh, There are some great trails around there, some MTB trails, as Michael would now very hipply say. Thank you very much. Yes. yes. And you would not want to take a tumble off those trails into the Hooker Falls, and you could actually if you didn't actually watch what you were doing. Yes. Because a lot of those trails are hillside, and they do rise up from the falls rather precariously. The higher you climb, though, on foot or by bike, the more delirious those viewpoints are. And rocking through those punga tree groves above the falls Absolutely fantastic. The thing which I love about the Hooker Falls, which is really actually the starting point of the Waikato River, is the colour and the clarity of that water. It is piercingly blue Mm. and just so clear. It's a marvel. And look how it looks when it gets past Hamilton. (laughs) (laughs) So enjoy the Waikato River at its source point, yeah. as it spills out from Lake Topor. Yeah, Hamilton has that effect on a lot of people. <laughs> now, the Hooker Falls is not the only waterworks spectacle to admire in this area. Indeed. So after you've uh, had your fix of the Hooker Falls, I would definitely recommend checking out the nearby Aratia Tia Dam, Dam, which turns the narrow gorge into a raging river. And very quickly. Yeah. Five minutes is all it takes. Wow. So they do this several times a day, and loud sirens will ring out just before the dam control gates open, and it starts off with like this trickling stream of water suddenly transforming into a torrent. It's the next best thing to watching a flash flood without any property damage. It's seriously addictive. I would actually go to Taupo just to watch this. Yeah, it's it seems quite archaic that we still do that. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously addictive. Now, after all that exercise, mm. the Wairaki Thermal Terraces oh. is a very nice spot for oh. a soak. 
So- I know you like a good soak after a, a little bit of exercise. <laughs> I do. It is such a wickedly good location, unrivaled because the hog pools are tucked around the base of those silica terraces and waterfalls, which are just constantly gushing mm-hmm. and changing shape. I think this is probably the closest experience we have to savouring the magnificence of what were the pink and white terraces. Really? Yeah. That close, you reckon? Yeah, because they are silica terraces, and as the name would suggest, as in terraces, it's all tiered. Mm -hmm. So it is quite a mystical experience. A lot of steam, a lot of steam all surrounding you as you marvel in the scenery and the sensory experience of all of that hot Water. That's very ethereal, Michael. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. Uh, the pools are adults only, which I think is a fabulous thing because the last thing you want is squawking kids to ruin the whole sensory experience. Yeah, that's a bit of a controversial direction to take these days. Well, I try and be inclusive, but not when I'm having a hot soak. No, I was meaning more the pools being adults only. Oh. There's been a few places recently that have expressed a desire for adults only, and the yes. reaction has been, you know, on other social media or oh, news, yes. news comments yeah, of yeah. people saying, that's not good. That's not family friendly. No. No. But there are public pools down the road if you've got the kids in tow. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. But sometimes people like to just have a little couple's canoodle, don't they? You might want to have a canoodle by yourself. (laughs) Just, you know, taking in the relaxed sensory experience of Wairiki without a boisterous child ruining the Atmos. Okay. Thank you. Now, there are lots of great eats in Topol, um, very well known for its lovely food, in fact. Yeah. Vine Eatery is divine. Vine Mm. is divine. Vine is divine. Right. Yes. And you experienced this to a divine level. (laughs) I did. I could keep going back to this place. Mm. Um, It's got a very Mediterranean vibe to it, and they specialize in long table shed plate dinners. Ah. So you do feel like you've been transported to Italia. So when you say long table shed plate dinners, do you mean with your group or just with anybody? You could actually end up at a long table with several groups. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, for example, if you and I were going there just for a bit of a bite to eat, uh, we could be seated at two of the chairs and there could be... Seated at a chair. Well, seated yeah. at the table, sitting in a chair. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Funny that. But we could be sharing that very long table with a whole mass of people from all over the place. And are you sharing your food with them too? No, absolutely no. not. Oh, well, just no, wondering. don't know where their fingers have been. Well, in some countries you do. Oh, well, I wouldn't be into that. No, I didn't think you would be. No. Yeah. I don't want some random having a pluck at my plate. <laughs> Fair enough. Not very trusting, are you? <laughs> but they have loads of tapas options. In fact, 30. 30 options on the tapas menu. Wow. Yeah. And this was actually the hardest aspect of the experience, choosing what I wanted to have a chomp on. I was just thinking that because I've, I've been with you in restaurants, yes. so it's not an easy choice no, on the I menu. Be, I can be very indecisive. Yes. Um, I do recommend the fish and prawn wontons. Yeah. yeah. Uh, big button mushrooms stuffed with spinach. Oh, yeah. I need to try that this winter. Big mm. button mushrooms and just absolutely stuff them with your spinach. Mm. It's actually a really good combo. And I think from time to time, people have probably thought to themselves, what can I do to zhuzh up my spinach? <laughs> well, stuff it in a big button mushroom. Right. Now, also check out Baked With Love. They're renowned for their custom cookies, which have been right up your alley here. Uh, they supply many businesses too. Yes, they do. 
oh man, these things are like royalty in Taupo. At the bakery, they've got uh, custard brioche donuts. Oh. They are sinfully good. Oh. And speaking of spoiling your sweet tooth. There's something always sinfully good about anything with custard. Oh, I could, just, I could live on custard. Yeah, me too. I just adore custard. Mm. Down the road, Luna's Gelateria, uh, as the name would suggest, these guys are legends when it comes to the premium gelato. And I know we're getting into the cooler period of the year now, but definitely over summer, there will be massive queues billowing down the footpath uh, from people trying to get to Luna's. They are so wickedly popular. Delicious gelato. Give it a good lick. That's good advice for life. This whole getting into the cooler times, you, you know, would you want gelato? Yes. It's a very Western way of looking at it. Oh, a, lot of, it? a lot of cultures, when it's hot, eat hot food. When it's cold, eat cold food because it's more yes, conducive to yeah. the temperature. Yeah. It's yes. like. So you, know, you would have gelato in winter. Well, I'm saying I would. I'm just saying that it's like the idea of drinking hot tea on a hot day. But you actually drink copious amounts of coffee. Regardless of the temperature, don't you? <laughs> yes, I, I do. mean, in summer, you don't have iced coffee, do you? No. 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 Oh, sacrilege. Yes, indeed. Right. <laughs> Stay with us. We explore the Great Lake in Topol very shortly. Back in a mo. This is Kiwi Trips. This is Mike and Andrew as we take a splash with Great Lake Topol. Fantastic place. Uh, anchored by that dazzling body of water, when staying in Topol, you really do want a lake front view. Imperative. Mm-hmm. The place to go, I reckon, is Millennium Hotels and Resort Manuel's. Because I, I'm sorry, but any hotel that has <laughs> Manuel in it just reminds me of Faulty Towers. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I know his. His face came into my mind as well. <laughs> uh, yes. Andrew, um, Andrew Sachs was the guy that played him. Yes. Very, very good. Legendary. Yeah. If you've been to Topol recently, you may have noticed that around the lakefront, they've got this magnificent new walkway. It's about four kilometres long, wrapped around the lakefront, and um, the hotel just sits on the back of that walkway. So they've got the most extraordinary perspective across the lake, and that walkway, I have to say, became my go-to. Early morning, sundown and strolls, I was there while staying at Manuel's. At Manuel's. It's a Siberian hamster. <laughs> anyway, uh, drink in the sunset from the lakefront bar or dine in the highly popular family restaurant, Beach 243, with supreme Absolutely stunning alfresco seating options if the weather is behaving. And another draw card is their hot grotto plunge pool. Oh, yes. I mean, uh, <clears throat> hot grotto plunge pool. Oh, yes. Yeah. I was there. <laughs> it's very atmospheric. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> <laughs> you can heat up all sorts of things there. Yeah. Very boutique property as well with that ringside seat on the lake's crystal clear waters. From my balcony, I could have virtually flicked a line over to reel in a rainbow trout. I'm sure that would have gone down well. (laughs) (laughs) Is that as close as you got to a spot of fishing? Or did you actually head out on the lake to bag a trout? I've always been looking to bag a trout. Oh, well. (laughs) Do you think I was able to? No. You don't have any confidence in my fishing abilities? No. Well, it had been a long time between drinks. (laughs) Because prior to <laughs> not something you often say. <laughs> <laughs> prior to heading out onto the lake, I actually thought to myself, the last time I'd actually managed to catch a fish, 
I was 10 years of age and I was fishing on the Akaroa Wharf and yeah. I reeled in a dogfish, which is not really what you want to reel in. No, not really. Peckish. Yeah. So in Taupo? I thought I'd go to the experts. I yeah. went on a little fishing charter trip with Chris Jolly Outdoors. Wow. Was I- Chris Jolly Outdoors? <laughs> I was in the best of hands because the Jolly family are synonymous with trout fishing in Taupo. They've been doing their excursions for about 43 years. So you were hoping that just being in the proximity Mm. of Chris Jolly would rub Mm. off on you and you would be able to catch something. I thought he might be like a fish magnet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And they certainly kit you out with all of the fishing gear you could possibly dream of, but they also give you a really good insight into the grandeur of the lake and some of the amazing insights, as it was. This is a really long story to get to the point if you didn't catch anything. As it was, and I'm not one to brag about my personal fishing prowess, (laughs) but I did land quite a decent-sized rainbow trout. Did you? I did. How? Well, Well, I was really probably indebted to the proven expertise and intuitive knowledge of Chris Jolly Outdoors. So basically, he caught the trout and handed you the rod. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's what I thought. Alongside the fishing, it's a very scenic experience on the lake, whether you opt for a private fishing charter or you join a scenic cruise with Chris Jolly Outdoors. And if Chris Jolly Outdoors uh, can actually make Mikey look like he caught a trout, then... You'll be in luck too. He's pretty good. And a runaway highlight is the gobsmacking artwork that adorns the rock face of Mine Bay. Yes, and uh, we got a really up-close encounter just metres away from the rock face of this extraordinary work. And I'm sure you would recognise it if I showed you a photo of it. It was created back in the 70s by Matahi Brightwell and some of his mates. So... Above the very deep water of the lake, it towers 14 metres on this rock face. Mm -hmm. It took them four years to complete this very heroic artwork. And they just wore their speedos and safety glasses while standing on bamboo scaffolding doing it for four years. No health and safety. No. Hmm. No. Right. It's a jewel of a lake and its size is staggering. Fun fact for the day. You could fit Singapore. The entire country of Singapore within Lake Taupo. Yeah. Which is why I guess we sort of consider the lake like an inland ocean. It's so big. It is big. When I was last out on the lake, the sunshine cast the lake in this very deep shade of oceanic blue. I felt like I was on the ocean. Mm. And there is this gorgeous little island, Motu Taiko Island, seemingly floating in the middle of the lake like a mirage. Ooh, Ooh. very ethereal. Now, there is so much mythology, so many great tales associated with this lake. Yes, and Motutaiko Island is supposedly guarded by Tanifa. It is sacred to Ngāti Tuwharitoa as a burial ground for chiefs dating back to the 1600s. And while I was on the lake, Chris Jolly outdoors the crew there, said to me, uh, look to the south of the lake and you'll see Mount Pihanga. And she is like a mythological princess because that is the mountain that caused this great battle between the neighbouring male volcanic mountains wanting to win over Pihanga. None more so than Mount Taranaki and Mount Tongariro. Ooh. Now, the two fought so fiercely that the earth shook 
lava flowed from Tangariro, lost his head, falling into the lake, forming Mototeiko Island. But Tongariro emerged victorious, and a defeated Taranaki was banished west, carving out the Whanganui River as he mournfully retreated westwards. Yes. This place is so full of, well, legend. Yeah, you've got to go there. Yeah. The other thing I had never noticed until I was last in Taupo, to the north of the lake, just past the township, I hadn't even noticed the silhouette of Mount Tohara, which is, it sort of backdrops the northern part of Taupo. Yeah. And the Chris Jolly Outdoors crew said to me, have you ever looked at the outline of that mountain? And it actually resembles the face of a sleeping warrior just lying on his side. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, the more you look at it, it is quite extraordinary. So yeah, great stories, great history. And they all come to life. Yeah. When you're at the lake. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's it for now. Be sure to like our Facebook page and our show notes are available, as always, on the website, kiwitripsters.co.nz. For great travel reading, check out our sister site, fortheloveoftravel.nz. That is fortheloveoftravel.nz. And we would always love you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast service that you choose. And you have so many choices, don't you? This is it. Yeah. Choices galore. Yes. And we do love your feedback. So, yes, uh, lavish us with your sort of lava flow of praise. <laughs> Shake the earth with your thunderous feedback. <laughs> we oh. roll with the punches like Mount Taranaki. <sighs> love it. And we look forward to catching you for our next edition of Kiwi Tripsters in a week's time. Take care. Tally ho. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Safe travels.